All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. Now, I am so excited about today's podcast, but before we dig too deep, I need to give you the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our trials, our tribulations, our hardships in such a way that we can begin to unfold God's plan for our lives. But here's the deal. You may be thinking, okay, but why do I need to listen to Scar? Why me, right? And here's the truth. We all have stuff, guys, whether big or small. It could be uh, relationship-related. It could be job-related. It could be friendships on the rocks. Uh, It could be so many different things in your life that appear to be going wrong, and we can get stuck on these things, and these things can begin to accumulate and even change the trajectory of our lives. So that's why you need to be listening to SCAR, because we all have stuff, and this is a safe place that we can come and we can begin to work through that stuff and unfold God's plan and purpose for our life. Now, with that being said, I want to introduce you to an amazing guest, Miss Desiree Lee from Atlanta, Georgia. Would you please say hello, Miss Desiree? Hello, Dustin. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And we are excited to have you. Now, Desiree has quite an amazing story on how she took her life as a convicted felon and, and, and all of these hardships and all of these struggles into a five-time bestseller uh, uh, list and, and, and basically inspirational guru. Love her to death. And so would you please tell us a little bit about you and your story, Desiree? Absolutely. Um, my story is based here in Atlanta, Georgia, and with that, it comes from one quote, which is, it's never too late to become what you could have been. And even though sometimes we go through life and we think that we have all of the pieces stacked up, stacked up in our favor, um, regardless if it's. Um, the area that we were raised, the education that we've obtained, um, the good choices we made in the future. And each and every one of us at one point of our lives felt like this mistake was so detrimental that you either stay stuck or you're you're either um, embarrassed or shameful about it, or you're like, there's nothing else that you can do. But just like um, the title of the show, um, when you have just a little bit of courage, a little bit of faith, um, there is redemption um, in the mistakes that you may have made, and it's never too late. And from that, um, when I was uh, 17 years old, I was raised by both of my parents um, in the state of California. And good Christian loving parents, and even though they were divorced, My father was very active in my life, my mother active in my life. They did a great job, an excellent job co-parenting. 
Like I never see my parents argue, not saying that they didn't disagree on things, um, but they did had a good yin and yang when it came to raising me and my brother. However, being raised in a church, my father, an audio engineer, my mother, a choir director, um, I felt when I was in school that I'd never fit in. And so if you have a young person who feels that way, when God has his hands on you, you will never fit in, regardless of how you try to shape it, mold it. It, it just won't work. That's so but good right there because we, we oftentimes want to fit in with the world, but under right. God's word and under God's direction, it just doesn't line up with it the world. It just doesn't. Exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, regardless of how old you are, you, you keep trying, but it, it just won't. Um, but I did. I tried at 17. I had a 3.8 GPA. I had two basketball scholarships. Um, on my way to college uh, uh, to be, you know, towards American dream. And because I tried to fit in two weeks after I graduated from high school, I found myself on the other side of the law. And I was charged with 11 counts of armed robbery and five counts of aggravated assault at 17, facing 135 years in prison here in the state of Georgia, all because I didn't like my mom's rules and I was trying to fit in. And it was a real eye-opening because I thought that, uh, you know, hey, look, because of who my dad is, who my mom is, where we're at, that, you know, I'm going to get a slap on the hand. And it just didn't work that way. While I was in jail awaiting my sentence from the judge, and everyone inside the jail was telling me that this judge, he's going to put you under, you know, you messed up your life. And to think that at 17, if I would have received 135 years, I wouldn't have got out of prison until 155 years old. Mm. And so I thought my life ended, literally. But it's true that if you raise up a child the way they should go, Mm. when they're old, they won't depart from it. Because in that jail cell, I knew how to pray. And this was the first time at 17 years old that I saw God work in my favor or answered my prayer. It wasn't because of my mom's praise. It wasn't because of my dad's prayer or my grandmother's prayer. It was the prayer that I prayed before I stepped in front of the judge. And as I pled guilty. what, What was that feeling like as you're standing in front of that judge, knowing what you're facing in that moment? What is going through your mind as you're pleading guilty and all of that? And I'm sure you're getting to that. What, what is it? What, what is it that you're thinking? Are you thinking about the crime? Are you thinking about your future being shut off? What, what are you thinking in that moment? I I was thinking a few different things. I was thinking, um, is God really real? Because you can, as a kid, you raise up, you see people, uh, give testimonies in church about checks in the mail. You, you hear individuals talk about how they had this student loan debt and it's not there. And as a kid, I'm like, that can't be true. Especially, you can feel God, but I, I felt like I couldn't see him from my, my own. It was going based upon other people's testimonies. And 
whoever's listening to this right now, you may be in such a dark place that you feel like, where's God for me? Mm. You know, where is he here? And so I was scared. I was scared because all this could have been prevented if I just would have went home. All I had to do was go home. And I didn't go home. And so it was a lot of regret, a lot of remorse. And I was scared because I wanted God to show up for me. And he did. And when the judge, the the district attorney wanted to give me uh, 10 years to serve seven. And the judge looked at me. She says, I don't know what it is about you. She said, I can't give you probation because... You knew what you were doing the first time, the second time, the 11th time. But what I can do for you is uh, reduce your sentence to four years in prison. That's the least I can do. But if you ever are sad while you are going through your time, write me. And if you ever need a word of encouragement, send me a letter. I will write you back. And do you know when I was in prison, this judge, Judge Becker, she used to send me like um, sketch pads. She used to send me a small little word of encouragement. You know, I can't wait to see what you do with your second chance. Oh, and once I was released from prison, excited being released from prison, hey, it only takes me one time. I, I'm not doing this ever again. That's where the real hardship came because I was faced with all these different limitations when it comes to having a criminal background. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, I can testify to this. I've seen so many people struggle outside of um, uh, not just outside of their own mental state of trying to overcome trauma, hardships, all of these things. But now when you add a criminal record onto it, it makes it that much harder. Um, and, and what do you think it was about that judge? What did that judge see? in you, Desiree, what do you think it was that, that, that brought her connection uh, to you to, to life? Well, you know what, Dustin, she, she had to be a believer of God because God, God, God really molded or changed, touched her heart because the, the scripture, the prayer that I prayed and the scripture I use is in Proverbs and the scripture reads, uh, God holds the king's heart in the palm of his hand and he could turn it whichever which way he wishes, just like the rivers of the water. Mm. And I said, Lord, please turn her heart in my favor. And so she may not have understood it. And she said, hey, look, I don't know what it is about you. She may not have understood it, but she still followed the voice of the Lord. And that's when the first time that I saw physically that God has answered my own prayer. It wasn't because of my mom. It wasn't because the whole church was in, you know, the courtroom. It wasn't because of the lawyers I had that I sometimes were put in situations when there's like no way situation. So God can make a way, Yeah, you know, so that, you know, that it wasn't the money. It wasn't this, it wasn't the fame. It wasn't that person. It wasn't even the judge that I knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was no one but God that maneuvered and, and uh, really impacted that part of my life um, to give me a second chance. So during that time in the jail cell, you did, you said four years? Uh-huh. Okay, so when you would, 
when you would go into your cell at night and you would hear that steel uh, door slam or, or shut and lock, like what, what was that time of, I, I would call that your wilderness moment. I, what would, uh, what did that time consist of? What did, what was your mind thinking? Go back and put yourself on that, on that cot and, and, and on, you, you know, in, in those sheets at night, what was, what was running through your mind during those days, those years? Well, you know, um, my mother, when I, when I was released, my mother told me that uh, while I was on the driving spree in the car and everything else, and she wanted me to come home, that she didn't know what else to do. And she said, God, take control. And as soon as she prayed that prayer, that's when I was locked up. And in that cell, you're right, it is was my uh, wilderness moment because I couldn't depend on mommy, I couldn't depend on daddy, I couldn't depend on my friends, I couldn't depend on anyone. And just imagine, 17 years old, I'm not an adult, so I was in a place where other individuals had life sentences and they had nothing to lose. Oh, man. And so... It's amazing on how I don't look like what I've been through. I've seen a lot of traumatic things in there, and it's it, and, and it just goes a testament to how God can keep you in the midst of the storm. So yes, I feel like it, it, it was my wilderness moment, but at the same time, I felt like it was calm, like he kept me in the eye of the storm where it was always calm and peaceful and i got to know god for myself it's it's like you know how sometimes you can go to church and, and you hear other people's testimonies you hear the pastor preaching and it's like you never really experienced it like one-on-one -on -one. but in there i was always looked after um i always had favor with you know the ceos none of the people who had life sentences, never, my life was never threatened, though I seen it with other individuals, but it was, it was very hard because I was a kid and these are grown women. I'm talking about, it wasn't, I was in a place where shoplifters were at. Right. This, this is murderers, you know, Hard from embezzlement to murderers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and when you're, when you're going through that, it's almost like, I love the, the piece you talk about. It's almost like in your weakness, he is made strong or, or in your weakness, he is strong. And Absolutely. And it, I felt like Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that, that's so powerful that, that you found that piece that you found that, that, uh, that comforter during that time. It's like a, like a mature oak tree. Uh, who's been weathered and beaten through the storms of life, but his roots grow deeper and his strength grows stronger and, and finding that. Now, once those, those doors finally opened and release you for the last time and you head out into your journey, you talked about that's where a lot of your hardships really came into play. Uh, what about your, what about your mentality? Did you feel like people were looking at you wrong and are or, or looking at you differently or hard? How did you walk through those next couple of years? Well, not initially. I, di I didn't think that initially because I was going on the perception of what I saw basically on TV and what I thought of a person with a criminal background. 
I said, you know, um, we're under this, um, if, if nobody has a family member or they didn't go through it themselves, it's really difficult for them to understand that once you did your time for your crime, you can get your life back and, it, and it's not that easy. And so I quickly um, found out that it's not just a job that I couldn't get. It was, you know, housing. Like when you go to rent um, an apartment, they don't just do a credit check. They do a background check. And then they also, you know, from school, you know, I want to go to college. Remember, I had scholarships, you know, I want to go to college. Well, financial aid, they do criminal background checks. Absolutely. So, yes, you can go to school, but you have to pay out of pocket. And in order for me to pay out of pocket, I need a job. And all the jobs that I tried, all the way from McDonald's to Walmart to even being a waitress at Red Lobster, it's a background check. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know I'm not the only convicted felon out here. I mean, there has to be some type of way, Dustin. I mean, I can't be the only one that's going through this. How am I supposed to have housing yeah. or education? Where, where's the redemption? Or, you know, just a job to save and work my way to the top. And it was so difficult. And the only thing that I found was entrepreneurship. So I had about five to six different businesses from braiding hair to um, selling clothes at consignment shops to having a photo booth business at events and different things like that. Um, to hitting a brick wall because for six years after I was released from prison, Dustin, I tried. It wasn't that I sat on the couch and ate chips and wanted someone to take care of me. Remember, six years after being 17, I'm over 25 years old. I'm a grown adult and I'm still having this difficulty of finding myself, rendering my own second chance and nothing is working and i was just tired i was tired of being tired it's one thing of being beaten up and you get back up you know this person says no you ask again you know you go to this job they say well, sorry ma'am we can't hire you sorry ma'am you're overqualified sorry ma'am and this any other and you hear it for six years not one time not ten times but for six years every day Um, I was just tired and I gave up. I gave up on what God promised me. And I said, you know what, God, I'm tired. You know, maybe my mom has a better chance of raising my daughter. Um, And I had suicidal thoughts. And I was- What do you say to that person right now that's listening to this, right now that says, that says, I'm I'm exactly where you were. I'm tired. I have trusted God. I have hoped in God. I have- what do you say to, I have single moms who listen to this with, 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 with children right now, and they don't know what tomorrow holds for them. They are in that exact moment. Mm-hmm. I would tell them this, that there's three reasons why you go through something. It's to either prevent someone from going in, to encourage others who may be in it, and to sh- show people that nothing is impossible. When you are tired and you want to give up, it wasn't until 
I surrendered to God that said, you know, I can't do this anymore. God, take the will that all the doors open. And when my, nobody knew, sometimes we go through this by ourselves or we feel like we're by ourselves. And my mother asked me to go to the nail salon and in this moment, the same moment that they might be going through. And I said, you know, this is the last time she'll have an experience with me. So be it. And a stranger by the name of Stacy um, spoke to me. And I felt ugly. I felt beat up, just like the mothers who might be feeling that right now. And she invited me to coffee the next day, which ruined my suicidal plans because I, I gave up and I gave it to God. I was like, I, I can't do this. So the next day when I had a pity party, I said, God isn't this, you know, the system, this, the government, this, my mama, this, my daddy, this. And she went into her purse and pulled out a small jar of mustard seeds and poured them in my hand, Dustin. Wow. And she said, do you know what these are? And I'm like, yeah, I've been raised in church all my life. Faith is a mustard seed. You can speak to the mountain and it will move, blah, blah, blah. Lady, I didn't come here for you to preach to me. And so what I'm saying is the question you asked me, I'm not here to preach to anyone. Yeah. But what she reminded me was, I picked up that mustard seed and disdained, and I said, this is all the faith I have left, if <laughs> you don't understand. And she said, that's all the faith you need. Wow. I said, no, Stacey, you don't understand. I, without trying to tell her I'm going to commit suicide, without telling her I'm going to commit suicide, this is all I have left. And she said, that's all you need. She says, what you've been doing was... Sometimes our problems stack up so high they become our mountains. When God says, speak to the mountain and it will move, he's not talking about a physical mountain. You have to open up your mouth. And that's when I learned affirmations. That's when I learned to say, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All financial doors are set free. I am a winner, you know. And, and I started these affirmations and, I, and 30 days later, the doors opened, Dustin. And, and I was at a Taco Bell. A pastor called me, and he says, I need you to share your story at this high school um, with the police department. And I called Stacy, and I said, Stacy, thank you for giving me this mustard seed. Thank you for speaking to me at the nail salon. You didn't have to say anything. You could have came early. You could have came later. I would have missed her. And she said, the reason why she spoke to me, remember the three reasons, what ladies and gentlemen, why you go through stuff. She said, the reason why she spoke to me is because I look like what she just came out of. This stranger did not know I was depending on her faith to persevere. And she said the same, she didn't tell me nothing miraculous. She just told me what another lady by the name of Dama told her at a smoothie shop the same thing that she told me. And so my second book is called Pass the Mustard Seed. So you may not be going through, if you're saying I'm in a dark place, you have to stop being selfish while you are going through. Because while you're going through it, it's not even for you. Oh, Sometimes we are going through so other people won't have to feel it. You are strong. You are courageous. And you said, God, use me. You forgot the prayer that you prayed six years ago, that you said, God, use me. 
And he said, okay, my good and faithful servant, I'm going to use you. And now that you're in the midst of that, you have to remember that you are not going through it for yourself. Is to prevent someone from going in, encourage someone who is in it, and to show people that nothing is impossible. And then I look back and I said, wow, I was going to commit suicide. I went through all of that for six years. The doors opened up in 30 days, Dustin. And I look back and I said, man, I couldn't give God just 30 more days. I went through all that for six years, but I couldn't give God just 30 more days. We have to get outside as a mom. We think we're supposed to be superhuman. As a man, you think you're supposed to fix everything. God does not need our help to be God. He's God all by himself. So my story is, that it's never too late, regardless of how ugly it looks. It's never too late to become what you could have been. And if you find yourself in a dark place, never forget how much faith only God requires of us to speak to your mountain and it will move. Open your mouth. That's the solution. Open your mouth and speak to that thing. Get thee behind me. You know what to say. Desiree, I, I just want to get up and dance all around this room right now. I'm just telling you, you dropped so much truth in just a short amount of time. That was straight up uh, uh, life-giving nuggets. And, and, and I, I love how you say, you, you know, you talk about the faith of the mustard seed because we hear that all the time. And we're like, you know, I think we take that in, in, in the wrong way. And it's like, uh, God, God was speaking. God was uh, open up your mouth. Start start to move. Tell me, tell that thing. If you, uh, uh, Jim Carrey one time, he, he said, uh, he said, if you dare ask the universe for it, uh, you know, then watch out, watch what'll happen. And, and so I say, uh, forget that dare to tell God what it is that, that you want. He already knows. And, and when you seek him with the, with, with the desires, when, when you seek him with all of your heart, he will give you your heart's desires because they will naturally line up with his. And here's the thing. We're not talking about a name it and claim it. Are you familiar with Rashawn Copeland? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. He has, uh, he has without walls ministries. He has several other. Anyway, Rashawn Copeland is, is kind of a, um, uh, uh, internet pastor. He, he has, um, he was a former hype man for uh, Soldier Boy. He was uh, he worked with artists like Tech Nine. His cousin was uh, is in several of the American Pie movies. Uh, and I interviewed him uh, a couple weeks back. And so uh, Rashawn Copeland he he found himself on the opposite end as you are. And so and he tells me Dustin everything that glitters is not gold. Wow. And and he talks about how he came at it from um, he was living the the finest of life and he had the cars, he had the girls, he had the clothes, he had all, all of this stuff. And yet one night he finds himself on a couch with a gun in his mouth, facing suicide the same way, Desiree, as you found yourself desperate and depravity, you found yourself contemplating suicide. So it's not the money. It's not the monetary. It's not all of those things. It's the hope. It's the hope that is the answer, the hope that is only found in Christ. Amen. And Amen. so I love where you're going with this. And now 
when you find yourself in this lady's presence, when you find yourself staring at those mustard seeds and, 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 and you have the faith to open your mouth, it's not necessarily just a name it and claim it. It's a faith that God is going to come through. And when he starts to open that door for you, take us, take us from that darkness into light. Was it, was it all sweet and sugar and roses after that? Take us through that kind of roller coaster of <laughs> where life goes after that. Well, you know, as with the with the mustard seed, okay, so I started because of what it's done for me. I said, you know, all I had was my story. I didn't have money, I didn't have resources. And so, you know, I started writing my story. I said, Well, I messed up my life. Maybe some other team can read this read my story and they don't make the same mistakes. And I realized that in that dark place that God always had the tools right in front of me. When I was depressed, I always had access to the the internet. When I was thought that there was no options, I always had my story. And so sometimes when it's so dark, we can't see what the tools and the people that God has placed right in front of us. So the transition wasn't so much so getting myself out of it, it was more so of God, how do I help other people not experience it because it doesn't feel good at all. Um, When I focused on that for two years, I was just a speaker before I published my first book. When I, once I published my book, the Desiree Lee story, uh, the first year I sold over 20,000 copies of my book and been, the doors have been open and I just kept my eyes on God and my focus is helping other people. If you have a a difficulty or you've been burnt by somebody, maybe you help someone and, or maybe you have church hurt, or whatever the case may be. You have to understand that the person that you help, the blessing doesn't come from the person that you help. My blessing comes from God. So every time I understood what the mustard seed is that when I help someone, I name the seed. If you want an apple tree, you'll plant apple seeds. If you want an orange tree, you plant orange seeds. And so when we come to the mustard seed, what seeds are you planting and other people's lives. And you have to name that thing um, in order for it to reap the harvest that you are asking God for. People don't understand that the mustard seed is bigger than just a seed. When you plant a mustard seed, the roots uh, grow so deep and the trees can grow up to 20 feet tall. That tiny little thing can grow up to 20 feet tall and it has a root system that it will engulf whatever's near it. So just picture a plant that has a system and you have weeds next to it. The mustard seed roots will take that and make and eat it basically and it will become a part of the mustard seed tree. So why does God say have mustard seed faith and not an apple seed faith? Because when your faith is deeply rooted, all right, and I had to understand why in order to make that transition, when your faith is deeply rooted, when you have self-doubt, when you have your own securities, there's places that you may go and you say, I'm not qualified, I'm a convicted felon, I have this, I have scars. When you go to places when your faith is deeply rooted, you know that God only requires you just to show up. And so that's how all these opportunities have came about. I, I, I just showed up 
and I when I help other individuals, what is the seed that I'm what what name is it? Is it to help t- t- ten thousand more people? Is it to uh, reach many more people with the book? Is it what is it that you're asking for? Some the, I think the most difficult people have is not the asking, it's not the seeking. It's what are they seeking? You can be seeking, you can be asking, but you don't know what to ask for. And so you have to really make sure that it lines up with God's will because um, when you maneuver and hold on to your mustard seed faith, miraculous things can happen. And when you have the power in your tongue, you can speak negative into your life. The more I complained for those six years, the more I blamed for those six years, the more darker it became. But after that transition, you said, hey, what was the transition? Well, the more I spoke life into that thing, the more light I saw in my life, the more opportunities came about from going from a convicted felon to working for the federal government, going from a convicted felon to having a contract with Microsoft stores nationwide, from going from convicted felon to reaching over 100,000 kids nationwide, from going from convicted felon to helping judges, criminal judges publish their books, to go from convicted felon to helping over 200,000 people publish their stories, going from convicted felon to nothing. I had nothing but my story and my faith. And we have to remember to let God be God. Stop trying to make it happen. Stop trying to fix it. Just show up. And that's where it came from, from the darkness, from feeling everything is lost, remembering the power that I had, and let God do what he does. He is God. He has not forgotten you. So talking about the scars, I'm a big scars guy. In fact, my podcast is named Scar, Seeking Courage and Redemption, and it comes from Joshua. Joshua was a warrior. Joshua uh, was enslaved in, in bondage in Egypt. He saw the hardships that his people had gone through, and when he got his chance, um, uh, he became the warrior that the Israelites needed. And but But here's the thing. People, one of the most famous quotes of the Bible next to John 3.16 and all of that, uh, is Joshua 1 9. Have I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And what I'm hearing from you is yes, we, 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 we need to be strong and courageous, and we need to show up. And people take this verse sometimes and they put it on billboards and they put it on decals and they put them up as memorial stones so to speak as mm-hmm. as as your warriors cry but they miss the verse before it the how okay it, when i show up in 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 from a place of depravity from a place of sin when i show up as a convicted felon when i show up as a single mom when i show up uh as as having been uh raped or born into generational sin when i show up with all of this how do I become strong and courageous? Give me the how. And if you look at Joshua 1.8, we understand that Joshua was afraid. How do we know that? Because God has to tell Joshua three times in the first nine verses to be strong and courageous. So there's nothing wrong with fear, but standing up and understanding that fear does not come from God. And, and we should have a, a, this is what Joshua 1.8 says, the book This book of instruction 
must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. And then it goes on to say, haven't I commanded you? And I Mm. thought, wow, your story embodies this. Like, like, yes, I will be strong and courageous. And yes, I will show up. And yes, I will stand firm. But I must align my my view with the word of God. And the only way to do that Mm. is to get into the word of God and trust the word of God. And so you, I, I love that, that you're, that you've kind of taken this stance and, and, and kind of taken that road. Now, now you talk about how to take the only thing you have left and, and monetize it. Okay. That, that person, how, how do you tell that person to take the only thing they have left, which is, is what they have right now? How do they move forward? Well, you know, it's just like Moses, you know, you feel like God has told you to go back to Egypt, right? Go back to what, you know, train up a child the way you should go. When you're old, you want to part from it. And he takes you out of a place of where you felt, you know, uh, um, in, enslaved or you felt like you couldn't get out of this place. And even though you're running, you feel like, somebody is chasing you. Pharaoh changed his mind. He's chasing you. And now you're at this Red Sea. And you said, well, God, if you told me if I have faith, you know, I can get out of this thing. And then you're like, but I'm stuck. And so I'm like, what do I do? I try to get a job. I try to go back to school. I try to run. I try to get out of that place. And now I'm at this point. And just like Moses, God says, use what's in your hand. Use what's in your hand. And the only thing I had in my hand was my story. Now, initially, it wasn't as much as I'm going to monetize this thing and I'm going to make money off the story. It was more so, hey, I'm going to help people with my story. And the money came with it. So when I spoke at churches um, and shared my story, they you know, collected an offering. So it wasn't an honorarium. It was an offering. And sometimes the offering was a thousand dollars or more. Sometimes it was $3,000 or more because God is the one who touched the individual's hearts and ordered, you know, to give me my, my, the offering after I've spoken to help me in order to reach more people. So when we take our mind, when it comes down to monetizing what we have in our hands, we have to remember when you take your mind off of the profits, you'll become more profitable. And so every place that I go, I, I, I always pray and I said, what do I know? What do I have or know how to do to help this person? And again, I will name the seed. And every time God will definitely um, take care of you. Now, if you're moving into business, then the focus needs to be, again, not on the money, on the people. The more clients you have, the more people to help you help, the more money you will make. So if you're talking about monetizing your story, then you can write a book. How many ways can you, uh, formats can you turn that story? Well, you have eBooks, you have paperback books, you have hardback books, you have audio books, Okay, and that's four different ways with one story that it can be monetized. 
Another thing is, is if you do a compilation book, um, Dustin, if you don't mind, I'm going to take you as an, ex an example, yeah. that there are other individuals who have experienced or obtained a scar, yeah. who have been seeking, they're courageous, and now they're on the redemption. Well, you can definitely charge for other people to be in this compilation book because I can't sit here and say that everyone is going to relate to my story, but if I can self-publish a book that has 10 other stories that we all talk about our mustard seed faith and passing this mustard seed, then we can help other people. And so not only are you monetizing or open up the opportunity for more people to share their story on a different level, but you can also take it on tour. Then you also have placement and different things like that. So I look for ways on how can I reach more people? So when you look at it that way, you have your ebook, it will become monetized. I can reach more people with the paperback. Some people like paperback. I can reach more people with the audio book. Okay. You can reach more people to do your own documentary. A lot of you ladies and gentlemen, you do live streams all the time. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it, but you can literally take those same live streams you have done, put it all in one video file and upload it on Amazon Prime Video. It's free. It's free. All it is is taking time or courage to do it. Yeah. You have, there's not a lot of time for us to complete the assignment that God has given us to fulfill. That's my biggest thing is like, guys, you have to understand on every tombstone is a date you're born and then there's a date you die. And in between that is a straight line. And mm -hmm. so that straight line represents that dash represents our life. There is a time limit this side of eternity and we have to get moving. Amen. You're absolutely right. Why? Because other people's life is dependent on your faith. Yeah. If yeah. just Stacia, the lady who gave me this mustard seed, what if she would have given up, given up early? What if she was successful in her suicide attempt? She would not only have, I would not have got the mustard seed and I would have been successful, but all the other individuals that I shared with you, they wouldn't have got their mustard seed either. And I'm just one person, just Stacia's one person. Okay. When I met Justacia, it happened in August of 2012. We're now almost to August of 2020, Dustin. Yeah. Literally eight years ago was my mustard seed moment. And what keeps me going of using what's in my hand, even when I might feel discouraged or even when I get tired or maybe I've been burnt, is that there is a stranger who is dependent on me to just believe one more time. Wow, shame that is on so you. If you give up, If you give up now, then how many people are you killing? And I'm not a murderer, so I don't want to kill people's what I'm assigned to give them this mustard seed. Maybe your assignment is just to pass the mustard seed. Maybe it's to give hope. Maybe it's redemption. Maybe it's courage. And that's it. But shame on you if you procrastinate and let people wait on it. What I what I published in 2014 wasn't for the person then. What if I didn't publish my book, Justin? I mean, Dustin, would I have talked to you six years later now? So I didn't realize when I published my book in 2014, it wasn't for Dustin and his audience in 2014. It was for them in 2020, six wow. years later. So don't procrastinate.
let me ask you this. So, so we're going and all of this claiming and, and, or, or, or naming and, and all of this, our mustard seed, how important is forgiveness in this process? I'm kind of changing the trajectory here. I want to, I, I just want to know, like, like there are people who wrong you in this life. You have wronged your, your own self in, in the way you've thought about yourself and the way you've beaten yourself and all of these things. How important is forgiveness in this process? Dustin, I promise you, you are led by God, my friend. I promise you, because forgiveness is 